Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fearless. Jamie Davidson, nine-figure seller, my business partner and mentor, is joining today. We're going to talk about building your Amazon business to sell, which Jamie actually coached me through when I built from zero to a million in 12 months in the AMZ Insiders coaching program. Jamie, welcome. Thanks, Joey. Always great to be here. Look forward to this topic. It is a good topic because when I was going to sell my business and I had to just look at the simple mistakes of running out of inventory, I definitely cost my business about 75000 to 80000 And that's okay because that was a mistake where I ran out of inventory. Now, there are other mistakes or mishaps that sellers and new sellers don't know about when they're setting up their Amazon business. So let's talk about this topic. This is always a hot topic inside the AMZ Insiders community, and that's why we're bringing it to the Fearless Sellers podcast today. So Jamie, what is, just give me one insight, one tip about building your business properly for the most profits when you go to exit? Yeah, the, I think the first thing that uh, you need to plan for is that you don't want to start thinking about this when you want to start thinking about actually selling your business. You need to actually think about this topic from as early from the very beginning, as early as when you launch your, uh, your brand, is when you create your Amazon account, meaning that in order to create the the maximum value that your brand is worth, whether you plan to sell it like in the short term or you plan to maybe never sell it or down the road, in order to maximize that value, there's you've got a plan and there are things that you can't do uh, last minute or when you're ready to sell uh, that you need to have done prior to that. And just one simple one that I like to talk about is as simple as when... Uh, not mixing different brands in the same Amazon account. So some of you here listening, I'm sure you have multiple brands in one account and you think yeah. like, what's the big deal? It's not, uh, you know, Amazon allows it. It's not a problem. And they do. The, what people don't realize when you go to sell your business is that it's a negotiation at the end of the day and the person buying the brand, well, they may be excited and yeah, they want to get the best deal. And so that's like a simple one that they can knock down your price. I've seen as much by a hundred to $200,000 it could cost you just simply because you've kind of co-mingled brands in your account and it makes it more complex to uh, to get a perfect read on the business. Yeah, that's a good point. Just separate the brand and put it in a different account. Yes, you do have to pay the fees, the professional fee is 49 or sorry, 39.99 per month. You will be paying that on each of the separate accounts, but it is worth it to keep it separate. Good advice. And what about we get this question a lot when you have your brand and let's say it's it's a pet brand and you have your brand and then you're like oh wait it's christmas i really think this uh christmas ornament that is not pet related at all and is like waffles you know an ornament with a waffle on it i'm just going to put this up cuz i think it's just going to sell and be really fun yeah i would say that's more you know back in the day in the old days you know back in you know i think of 2012, 13, 14, 15 of the earlier days of selling on Amazon, people would do more of that. Um, that is 
kind of, it's not something we're big fans of. Uh, we don't really believe in it at all because it's not building a brand value. It's more of a short-term opportunity. I think of like the fidget spinners back in 2015 or something like that, where there was a huge run-up. One, if you're going to do that, uh, I'd recommend uh, maybe have a separate account and you could have all kind of mix and match type of brands and products or just like a catch-all brand. You could sell random products in that you don't plan to you know, try to build that brand to sell. Uh, but uh, as far as your actual core brand and the products you sell, yeah, you definitely do not want to mix those type of things with it because it can create kind of confusion of your brand. It can create uh, kind of, again, a harder uh, opportunity to read the performance of your brand. And also just as uh, someone looking to acquire your business, they're going to, uh, even like as a reputation as a seller, it looks like you are like not as focused and you're kind of all over the place as opposed to really trying to build a quality brand to get, uh, you know, again, get a great value uh, out of that brand when you go to go to exit. And what kind of products or brands do buyers want to buy? And we're talking like if you're saying aggregators <laughs> or private buyers, but what would are popular products, brands to buy? Yeah, so there is and there was a great survey done by Fortunet a few years back uh or two aggregators around this topic and so there are certain categories that are most attractive and as you mentioned aggregators which some of you may not know are big kind of investment uh conglomerates have raised a bunch of capital to go buy and try to combine a bunch of uh a bunch of brands similar to like Procter and Gamble does you know they have all the different brands in the consumer goods sides so you know they're looking at buying a lot of these things in the thing that most of them are looking, they're looking to kind of de-risk uh, their purchases because they're not looking to start up. So buyers are buyers for a reason. They don't want to start the brand from scratch. And so it's really around, a lot of it's around risk and then just kind of consistent opportunity. So you know, to that point, they're looking for brands and I'll call it categories that they think fit that bill. So there's certainly a brand or a product in every single category that would be attractive to somebody if it's a good business. doesn't really matter, but kind of in aggregate and total, you know, there's things like, for example, pet supplies or you know, pets is a really interesting category for a lot of buyers, uh, home goods uh, as well, too. So things that maybe aren't as risky compared to like, let's say the electronics or something like that, where there's perceived risk around things breaking or risk around liability, right? They're going to be less interested, but where there's kind of consistent uh, patterns where there's uh, kind of evergreen products where over a number of years that they're going to be, you know, in the market that they don't have to reinvent themselves. Those are all kind of some of the most attractive type categories. Love it. Yeah. Pets always sell. I was thinking even, no matter what the economy is doing, pets always sell. And you always, I feel like I hear of lots of pet brands being sold. Uh, burning question. I feel like the listeners have is margins. Like what margins profitability are buyers looking for and what is an appropriate margin and margins can be an uncomfortable topic if a brand is like well I'm only at you know 20% margin where you hear me often be like hey my margins were were pushed but my margins were pushed because I had a more expensive product so I had I had a little bit of an advantage on my margin yeah so when most people will hear margins because secondly, there's two metrics of the margins. There's margin percentage and there's margin dollars, right? So, you know, just purely a margin percentage, you know, only tells you kind of on a per unit basis for that. 
so the factors overall, kind of the three, let's call it vectors, would be the margin percentage. It would for a business in terms of the valuation, the margin percentage, the uh, total profitability, the size of the business, uh, both the revenue and the the net income. So what that looks like is this, you know, is it a fifty million dollar business or is this a million dollar business? And then the third one would be the trend, the growth rate of the business, the performance as it relates to this topic of margin. So, uh, but that being said, so it can vary a little bit as the business gets bigger at scale. So if you get over, you know, 5 million, 10 million and up, you probably can get away with, I call it a smaller margin because a smaller margin percentage, because the total dollars, the total margin dollars and profitability is bigger. But for your average business, if you get, you know, say you're approaching seven figures or, you know, the, the $1 million to $5 million mark, kind of the standard, the last, I'd say, five years has probably been around, that's, I'd say the standard's been and still is a good quality business is 20% or higher. Uh, I would say the last couple of years, it's been lower than that, certainly 15%. So if you have a, a nice, healthy business running at 15%, I think that will be attractive still to people. But it ebbs and flows in the markets when people get... Uh, when buyers get, I call it more conservative, they're going to, you know, push that number up to probably twenty percent or higher. Uh, but you know, if you're at fifteen percent, you still below that. They just view it as it's more risky again. Back to that risk topic because you know, if a few things go wrong, your prices from your manufacturer goes up, or if you have a dip in sales, suddenly that, you know, if you're at ten percent margins or five percent margins, suddenly the business could go and not be profitable at all. So. That's why you know that's important. But if you're up at you know a hundred million dollar business and you have seven you know ten percent margins, you know that's, a, that's still going to be a different conversation because of the size of the business. Yeah, good point. It's the size of the business too that matters. And two more topics we will touch on. <laughs> I want to talk about is marketing assets are factored into the price. So your your email list, your Facebook group, your YouTube channel, your TikTok, like build all of that for your brand because that becomes assets that if you're willing to, you can sell with your brand and your company. And that gave me a leg up when I when I was looking to exit. And we as at AMC Insiders encourage everybody to build those not as marketing, not just as marketing channels while you are selling, but also as an asset. And one of the newer ones is phone numbers, right? Collecting phone numbers of, of your customers. Yeah, totally. If you think about like, let's say you're buying a car, right? You're going to buy some car and you look at that car and it's just like the base model. It's like, there's nothing fancy. It has no upgrades whatsoever. Uh, you can think of your business like that. Similarly, like if you're going to look at an Amazon business, you know, from the eyes of the buyers, and they're like, okay, you have an Amazon brand and you've got good sales and you've got good margins. What else is there with it asset-wise? And there's, well, there's nothing. I have really good Amazon sales. We run PPC on Amazon and this is the results. So, you know, to your point is compare that to a similar business, same type of business, same type of numbers, but suddenly there's additional upgrades with that, right? So it's like, you've got the heated seats, you've got the sunroof, you got this, which is like, hey, I've got an email list. Uh, which gives us direct access to the customer. Uh, maybe we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group that is really strong and loyal and engaged. To your point, uh, similar to email, we have phone numbers as well too. Uh, so absolutely what you're saying, especially in this day and age where social media is so big and 
the opportunity to dif differentiate and kind of reach out to customers again and have them become repeat customers is a massive advantage from your brand compared to another brand, which just has the basics, which is the Amazon. We know what Amazon gets you. So, you know, you want to have stuff that is kind of core to success. Uh, on the flip side, don't think you have to chase after things that are, you know, not as important. Like you don't have to sell, you know, you don't have to show that you sell on 10 different e-com platforms, even though you barely have any sales on these other platforms and stuff like that. But uh, to your point, you know, true additional kind of digital assets absolutely will increase your value. And I know you've talked about that with, uh, with your brand and it's, it's definitely a, a big differentiator that will get you uh, a greater value out of your business. <laughs> Last question that I know I get a lot, I'm sure you do too, is how soon can I sell my business? I've, I haven't even launched yet, but I want to know when can I sell this? <laughs> yeah, I think people would be surprised. It's a lot sooner than most people would think. Uh, you know, I'd say kind of the typical standard would be 24 months, two years, which is pretty darn quick, just because that would give you like in business, you know, often like to see against your own comps. So your own comparatives of, you know, one year versus the next or one, you know, uh, one month. So December of, you know, 23 versus December of 24. So you can go against each other to see that apples to apples growth in month. But the reality is it can be shorter than that. I've come across again, I've helped a lot of people exit their brands. I've seen someone doing, uh, there was a young guy doing uh, like uh, actually a couple million dollars a month in in less than a year. This was not obviously the typical case. And it's like four months in, he's he was just like crushing it. And like four months in, he could already start the plan to exit that brand, right? So you could exit your brand you know, much sooner. I know, again, you've got great experience in this, that you moved quicker in this realm too. But the reality is if it's a good business and people can see the trend and the product and what you're going on, then, you know, in a lot of ways it's attractive to a buyer to get it sooner because they feel like they can, you know, probably get it a little better price than what it will be if they have to buy it from you in a year or two. Good point. And there's so much more opportunity. You kind of touched on other platforms, but then you're leaving opportunities to launch on Walmart and, other countries and buyers love to know that there's some low hanging fruit where they can immediately make some money. Um, well, Jamie, any final tip before we say goodbye? Uh, I think my final tip would be to get some help with it. This is like one of the biggest uh, financial decisions you'll ever have. And so it's tempting to try to do things on your own on this. Uh, it's a topic I know we love to help people with. So if anyone wants help, we will jump on a call with you. Uh, no cost, anything else. We'd love to talk to you around this, but uh, it's a huge decision and we love seeing people uh, you know, have a successful exit and uh, move on to their next thing. So, so yeah, just make sure you get some help with it. Don't try to do it uh, all by yourself because you're going against experts on the other sides that are looking to, uh, to buy the business. Yes. And we'll put our contact details below in the notes so you can reach out if you do want to get in touch with us to discuss selling your brand, your Amazon business and brand. Well, Jamie, thanks for hanging out. Until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session we can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com.
Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.